This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, so before we go into um, some Elul stuff um, and Chuba, I want to just talk a little bit about last week's parasha, this week's parasha. Unbelievable shot from last week's parasha. Last week's parasha was Kiseitse Lamelchama. Right? When you go out to war and you find the Yafastaya. So, it should say, why does it say, it says, Kiseitse Lamelchama. When you, when you will go out to war, right? It should say, the word leichem when you go out to war. Say, say you went out. What do you mean you go out to war? What does that mean? Shiki leichem milchama. When you when you have a war, right? What's ki say say? So the answer is that that a person needs to know that that really the the the, going, the fighting and the war it's really not up to you. That all comes from God. So ki say say you have to make the first move. You have to close the computer. You have to turn off the TV. You have to make that first move. But that for, for you to be able to win that fight, that the Yitzhahara in the end of the day is not going to get you to, to, to do it again or to continue doing it. In the end of the day, that's up to, that Hakash Baruch has to help you with. You, you cannot do that yourself. Now there's an interesting din. The din says here, um, ki yi ish ben So, so, I'm sure all of you that have learned this, so this is, the Torah is talking about a man that goes to war and he meets a beautiful non-Jewish woman. And he's in the throes of war, and his adrenaline's running. And the Torah knew that um, that if we're if we're gonna if we're not gonna allow you to do the avera, you're gonna do the avera anyway. So the Torah gave us the allowed us to do the avera. And the interesting thing is that even though you're allowed to do this avera, it's not an avera because you're allowed to do it. No, it. Never happened. How do you know it never happened? Because the Torah says that a ben seirumayra never happened. And a ben seirumayra comes from when a man is with the ish, with the fastoya. So if you never had a ben seirumayra. Means you never had any fast Torah. So even though the Torah tells you you could do this, right? And it's it's sort of Hashem knows how we our psyche. So when you tell someone you can't do something, that's when He does it. When you tell someone He can't do it, it sort of ruins your Yitzhar. It's like, oh, I can do that. Oh, then I don't want to. Right? I I, I once gave a share, a real boy share, like just for like us guys with on shave of him, and I made the mistake that on Torah anytime, I put up a little thing for men only, right? <laughs> The most hit share ever by women was that share. Right? Because I said, you're not allowed to watch it. It's only for men. So if you're not allowed to watch it, everybody wants to watch it. You can watch it. What do I need to watch it for? Right? So, so that was the, that was the din by Ben Sayyamari. Now, Ben Sayyamari eats, he drinks a lot of wine. He eats a lot of meat. He's young. We know he's going to end up becoming a murderer, end up doing all the wrong things. So the luck is that the parents have to take him out and the bezin is, and they, and they, and they stone him, whatever it is. But Lemaisa, the terrorist says the following. If a man will have a ben seiru ma'ira, einenu shomea b'kol aviv u'b'kol imo. He's not listening to the voice of his father or the voice of his mother. Right? So then, if he's not listening to them, so then you have this whole dinner ben seiru ma'ira. So the Gemara says that if the mother or the father is deaf, then there's no halacha ben seirumayra. There's no law of ben seirumayra. If even he eats that amount of meat, he drinks that wine, he's the worst kid in the world. If either the mother or father is deaf, there's no halacha ben seirumayra. That doesn't make any sense. 
if he's deaf. In other words, the Torah says, If he doesn't hear his mother and father. So if he's deaf, and he can't hear his mother and father, so you can't make him a Ben Sarah but who cares if his parents are deaf? If his parents are deaf and they still talk, right? So then who cares if they're deaf? They should be a Ben Sarah Moira. You understand what I'm saying? Again. Again. The Torah tells us that if he doesn't listen to his mother or father, then he's a Ben Sarah Moira. Now, surely if he's, if he's deaf, for sure he can't be a Ben Sarah Moira because he can't, you can't say he's not listening to his parents. He can't, he can't listen to anybody, right? So for sure not. But the Gemara says that if his father is deaf, there's no din of Ben Sarah who cares if his father's death? If he, can, if he can hear what his father is saying, then there should be a dinner with Ben Sarimara. Listen to what Chazal say. Chazal say that if the person who is giving the criticism, who is giving the Musr, can't hear himself what he's saying, then you can't expect the person who's getting the Musr to listen to him. So if I myself am drinking... And I tell my kid, listen, you can't drink. You know, when you get to my age and you're supposed to be smart, that's when you can drink, right? Or you can't have a cell phone, be on your cell phone the whole time when I'm on my cell phone the whole time. So even though you're telling it to the kid, but if you're not listening to your own muster, if you don't keep your own muster, then it's impossible for that child to listen to what you're saying. So therefore, if the parent is deaf, so he can't hear his own words, and we can't blame the kid for going off the derech. Because he himself can't hear his own words. It's such a lesson in chinuch. And if you yourself don't hear what you're saying, it means you don't keep what you're saying. You can't expect anybody else. You know, you tell the guy not to talk by davening, then you talk by davening. You know, because I'm, I'm older than you. You know, you be quiet. It's not going to work. Right? You have to practice what you preach. And, and we learn this from Ben Sarimur. Because the big chinuch, who kid is the parents are deaf? Yes, if the parent is deaf, if you don't do it yourself then guess what? Your kid is not going to do it either. And I see this in cell phones. The parents are always complaining. My kid is always on her phone, always on her phone. She doesn't talk to us anymore. And then you look at that parent, and she's like, hold on, Ray Watson, I got to pick up this call. She's both talking to me about her kid being on the phone. She's like, hold on, Ray Watson, I got to pick up this call. I'm like, hello? You expect your kid to listen to you? If you yourself are doing it, they won't. They won't listen. It has to come out of your heart, but your heart has to be clean. So it's so, it's, it's sort of, it sort of forces a Rebbe, right, to do the right thing. Because if he doesn't do the right thing, then the people, I spoke about this one time, and someone got very upset that I said it. Because they really looked at it the wrong way. If, if I gave a class today, and I'm talking about English music. I forgot to bring my pictures again. Okay, but anyway. And, and I'm talking about English music, right? I'm talking about rap. I'm telling you how terrible it is to rap, and it's, it's a different culture, and it's going to change who you are. Right? I'm giving you this whole speech, and you love it. I give you, I give you funny stories, and I give you examples, and I show you pictures of rappers. It's an unbelievable sheer. But I go home uh, in my car, and on my way home, I'm listening to 50 Cent. I like him. I like his music, right? None of you know that I listen to him. Well, I just gave you this whole share. And you're like, you know what? I'm throwing out all my... Re- Rebbe's right. I'm throwing out all my rap music. And you get home, and you're about to throw it out, and you're like, eh, I'm just going to listen to it one more night. And then it doesn't happen. You know why it doesn't happen? 
Because what I gave you from my heart wasn't real. Because I'm listening to myself. So in the end of the day, if I don't practice what I preach, even though you don't know that I'm not practicing what I preach, it will not affect you. You will not be able to take the muster and change your life. Now, what came back after I gave that share? What? Then it must be the Rebbe's keeping it. You cannot... You will not be able to take the Muslim if I myself secretly are not keeping it. Your neshama, your neshama knows. Like, like you're, you're sitting there and you're like, wow, what a share! And your neshama's going like, faker, he's a faker. Your neshama knows. He's listening to the music himself. Get me out of here. Let's go to a different share. Right? Your neshama knows the truth. So, so what happened and I gave that share was that this girl called me up and she says, oh my God, Rabbi Wallstein, you know, I have this teacher. And she gave a whole, speak, a whole speech on sneers and I left the room. I didn't change my sneers. You mean she wears short skirts at home? Right? It must, because, because it must be if she gave me a whole share on sneers and I didn't change, right? It must be her fault. Because of course it's someone else. I'm like, no. I'm like, no. But you're not being sneers doesn't mean that she's not being sneers at home. Right? Because many people, they're not willing to listen. But the people who are willing to listen, for that to last, the person himself has to be. So that, so, so the Rebbe, Mikom Alamda Hiskalti, the Rebbe, or the Rav, whoever it is, has to change his life to, um, to, uh, what's it called? He has to change his life in order to affect his students. I have to tell you, tonight, right before I came here, so I was talking to somebody, and, I made fun of somebody in Chinuch. It's a very funny story that happened with me and this person, and it was really wrong. It's like it was like Lashon Hara, sort of Lashon Hara. I shouldn't have said it, but it was such a funny story that I had to say it. And my whole struggle coming here tonight is that I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk a little bit about Lashon Hara, but how can I come in here and talk to you guys about Lashon Hara if I just twenty minutes ago said something about someone else that was very funny? Right? Behind his back. It was very funny that he really shouldn't have said. So I'm going to try to ask him, Mechila, but Lamaisa, how do I give you a speech on Lashon Hara when I myself just spoke Lashon Hara? So I did Chuva the whole way here. I'm serious. I, I feel very bad. I said, to, I, I'm going tomorrow to this person. I'm going to tell him. I want you to know that I made a joke about you. I want you to be my homie. Of course, he's going to ask what the joke is. I don't tell him I can't tell you. But, but I'm going to ask him Mechila. Because, because how can I talk to you about, give, give you a speech about Lashon Hara? Well, I just spoke Russian heart 20 minutes ago. So, so a person has to understand that, yes, when you, when you want to bring up your children and you want them to listen to what you have to say, then you have to do, you, you, even if you, even if they don't know that you're a hypocrite, they don't know that secretly you're doing something wrong, then a shama knows. And a shama feels it. Alright, so that's one, one very beautiful shot that if the person's parents don't hear, then you can't blame the kid because if they don't hear, then you can't expect the, you can't expect it to work on the child. It's very deep. It's very very beautiful. This week's pasha. What? With everything. If I if I if I tell you that you know shoes are not important, your tie is not important, and then I go buy you know expensive five hundred dollars shoes, so the, so the kids like. Like, like, you know, Dad, you're telling me not to do something. No, then it's not. No, then materialistic things. No, that's not going to affect them. We're talking about Muslim. We're talking about we're talking about spiritual things, not materialistic things. No. If you tell your kid that chocolate's bad for you and he, and I shouldn't eat chocolate, then you secretly eat chocolate. and He doesn't know. No, he's not going to eat chocolate because you're secretly eating chocolate. 
Now we're talking about we're talking about neshama things. We're talking about we're talking about ruchnius. We're talking about spirituality. I want to sh- I want to tell you something on this week's parsha that blew me away when I learned it, because you know people don't realize how how sensitive. Ooh, I read a scary Gemara. Want to hear a scary Gemara? Daf. Pay. Daf pay. Hold on. I'll tell you in a minute. There is a use for a phone. Scary Gemara. Satisis, actually, in the Gemara. I'll tell you in a minute where the Gemara is. Sent me a text with the Gemara. See, I get texts with Gemaras. How many guys in here get texts with Gemaras? It's only because I have a flip phone. An iPhone will not take Gemaras. It will say, sorry, we don't believe in God. We don't take Gemaras, right? We ask the iPhone if they believe in God. The iPhone says no. You know that story, right? What's her name on the iPhone? Siri. Siri. Ask her, ask her tonight on your way home. Is there a God? I'm sorry, we don't have enough information. <laughs> That's what she's going to tell you. Serious. Yeah, it's an atheist phone. Apple, the A, stands for atheist. All right, anyway, I just made that up. <laughs> you know what the subliminal whole thing of Apple is? And the apple has a bite out of it? What do you think it is? The Goyim think, the Eitzadas, right, was an apple. So the whole sign of apple is a sign of the Satan. He got us to eat. He got us to take a bite from the apple, which destroyed, which brought Ra into the world. So the whole symbol of apple is a sign of, the, is a symbol of the Satan. Ha ha, you took a bite, you're, you're, you belong to me. And that's why, of course, it doesn't say on your computer, on your Apple computer, it doesn't say enter and exit, it says enter and escape. There's no exit. There's no word on your keyboard that says exit. It's not like you can enter and exit. No, nah, no. Nah. You can enter, but to get out, it's ESCP. They don't write exit. Oh, everything in this world has a reason. Trust me. Internet, the net, we know the net with the net to catch you. I spoke about this. Huh? It's not my shit tonight. I'm looking up my little Gemara here. Hold on. Wow. How long ago did you send me this Gemara? No talking during the share. The Rebbe's looking up the Gemara. Hold on. I hope I didn't erase it. Crazy Gemara for you boys. You need to hear this Gemara. I think it's in Kedusha. I'll tell you in a minute. And you'll bring me the Gemara. Read it from inside. It'll blow your mind. It'll blow your mind. Come on, be here, be here, be here, be here, be here, be here, please. Come on. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's not here. No, I just don't know how to read them. Oh, got it. Thank you. It's Gemara Kedushin. Bring me the Gemara Kedushin. Sec- the, the, the Gemara Kedushin. Hello? In the art school, it's Bath. It's, it's Daf, it's Daf Pei. The Toysvis and Daf Pei. Mind boggling. It's on Enapatropos Larais. You can't trust yourself when it comes to immorality, when it comes to boy and girl. Everyone's like, oh, I know myself. I hear that all the time. Rabbi. I know myself. I'm like, you so don't know yourself. Um, you know, that's I know myself. I have control, right? And then two days later, it's like, help! I had no control. 
Anyway, so this is a Gemara, an amazing Gemara. Well, I told you what my Rebbe Ragamuel said. There was this, this, I was there and, and there was this young whatever and he's like, I, they wanted a bracha, you know, and he said, they were engaged, they wanted a bracha and he said, I, I won't, I don't give bracha unless you show me the gear. I don't give bracha to anyone unless you show me the gear because I can give you a bracha, you should get married, then you're going to keep tasking mishpacha, then you're going to be chayim misa, I should give you a bracha, you should be chayim misa, right? It doesn't make any sense. So, so, anyway, so, so the boy said, Rabbi, I was there when he said, he said, Rabbi Gamliel, listen, we're not trying to gear, the worst that we're going to do, is we're gonna, which was the dumbest thing to tell my Rabbi, but whatever, he's like, the worst thing we're going to do, the worst thing we're going to do is hold hands. <laughs> tell Rabbi Gamliel, you're Shalmi, right, my Rabbi, the worst thing we're going to do is hold hands. Nothing ever happened from holding hands. That was my Rabbi, right? Shogamuel quotes the Shulchan Aruch. He says, really? You're so sure that's all you're going to do? Yeah. He says, he says, I know myself. I know myself. So, you know, the famous, the Yitzhara has two words. Sometimes he uses it in two different ways. Either when you give someone Musa, he says, I'm different. Right? It's always Yitzhara. You're right. Rebbe, what a sheer. But, but that's the other guys. You don't know me. I'm different. <laughs> right? Or the girl says, right, where I'm like, you gotta stay away from this guy, you know, this is not, you're not going out for Shaduchim, what are you doing, whatever it is, right? And Wallstein, all guys are animals, you're 100%, they have one thing on their mind, they're a bunch of animals. But my Yankee, he's different. <laughs> I'm like, in what way? Like, what are you saying? Like, what do you mean he's different, right? That's the answer he puts in your hand. The word different is very big by him. You're different, you can handle, you can go online. The wall is stupid. He thinks you're going to go online. Right away, you're going to watch things you shouldn't. I'm different. I can go online. Just watch sports. Okay, they have all these pop-ups on the screen. I just want to look that way, you know, and they're all popping up all over the place. Lose weight. All these other things that they have over there, right? All these little pictures on the side of AOL, on the side of the news, right? But I'm different. Doesn't affect me. It's the H.O. You're not different, right? Even the Americans wrote, all men are created equal. Right? So you're not different, right? You're not different. Constitution says that, right? You're not, don't, you have to be a big chacham to know you're not different. Anyway, so this is what he says, Rabbi Gamliel. You know, it's on Torah anytime. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to put this on the radio tomorrow. It's a little dangerous over here. But if I say it's dangerous, everyone's going to watch it. So, uh, <laughs> so listen to what Rabbi Gamliel said. This is for the Chabur. Listen, they want to, they want to listen, they can listen. So Rabbi Gamliel said, he brought down from Shulchan Aruch, there's a halacha that a dead woman, a dead woman in a room has a din of yichud. In other words, you can't, a man is not allowed to be in a room alone with a dead woman. That's pretty sick, right? Everyone in this room is thinking, ugh, Rebbe, come on. What do you think I am? Some sicko? Dead woman? So Rabbanon, they're crazy! Yichud with a dead woman? Like what kind of, like what are you thinking? You think we're, we're immoral animals? She's dead! Right? That's what I thought. You first tell it to me, I'm like, oh, come on, you know, there's a limit to everything. So there was a, a documentary, a movie, that came out about, and do not Google it, okay? I don't know what you're watching this movie, but it came out about 10 years ago, where there was a group of guys in a hospital that every night went down to the morgue, right? They were the, like the watchmen, the guys, they went down to the morgue, like four guys, and they did things to the women that were dead, right? Mamash in the, took them out of the refrigerators, right? 
and they went to court. It was a huge court case because is there a law, right? I don't want to use the word. Is there a law if it's a dead body, it's not a live person, does it have the same laws as a, as a live person? Went into the court, the Supreme Court, went all the way to the top because the person's dead. So is it, is it the same law as doing something to a, a person that's alive? So the Rabbana, when they said it, everyone was like, Ugh. But meanwhile, it happened in our, in our generation. In a hospital with a bunch of guys that used to do every night. They went into the morgue. Disgusting, filthy, perverted. Ain't up a chopper's la rice, says the Gemara. Says, when it comes to girls and boys, you cannot trust anybody. Surely not yourself. So yes, there's Yichud with a man and a dead body. So Rabbi Gamliel looked at them and he said, and I don't see any dead bodies here. So you have a lot more to worry about because the two of you are not dead. And he said, I'm not giving you a bracha. You hold hands, you're not getting a bracha from me. I was like, whoa. That's my Rebbe. That's why I love him. He doesn't play games. Now, okay. If you think that's something, so look up in the Gemara, Asura Yuchsin in Sechtas Kedushin. Now, I wasn't going to talk about this at all tonight. I have a whole share on the Akeva and Shuva. And I'm not saying Chasr Shalom, because I always say a Petula before I walk in here. And my Petula is, Hashem should come out of my mouth. Not what I want to say, but what they need to hear. So I'm not saying anybody in this room, Chas Shalom, has anything to do with why I'm learning this Gemara and why I'm going totally off the tangent. Probably someone who's going to watch on Torah anytime, who lives in faraway land, needs to learn this Gemara. It's surely not for anyone in this room, Chas Shalom. What? Very faraway land. Anyway, Daf Peyamadez. So the Gemara says, it's talking about it's talking about yichud. A man is not allowed to be in a room together with two women. But one woman is allowed to be in a room with two men. You would think just the opposite, right? No, the Gemara says no. Rav Shimon, As long as his wife is with him, then in the same roof, there's two other women, then it's not, then it's not Yichud. And the Gemara goes into why that way. He says, because Noshim Daitim Kailas, because two women and a man, the man can talk both women into Chas Shalom doing an Avera, but two men and a woman, the woman will not be able to talk to two men into doing an Avera. Because men know how to say no and they're strong. Women can be manipulated because you're, you're dealing with their emotions. The Gemara, the Gemara says. What? They're embarrassed, right? The men are, the, the women are not and the men are, even though I would think the opposite. Think the opposite. Knowing men, knowing women, I would think the guys don't care and the women do care, whatever. But this is what the Gemara says over here. Okay, anyway, so listen to this. He brings down the following story. This is a story with a woman. Her husband just died, and she was crying and yelling over his grave. And there was a man there, right? So, so what happened was like this. They had a big levaya, her husband died, they buried her husband, everybody left. She's left by the grave, laying on the grave, crying her eyes out. She lost her husband, right? She's mamish in a lot of pain. 
Now there was a man there who was a shaymer. What happened? The the one the king had someone hung. Some guy that went against the king was hung, and he hired a shaymer, somebody to watch that the body should hang on the tree, so everybody should learn a lesson that if you mess with the king, you're going to get hung. So she, they hired this guard to make sure that this guy, nobody takes him off the tree, right? And the king said, tomorrow morning, I'm coming, and I'm checking, and that guy better still be hanging. Okay, fine. So this guy, this Shimer, he sees, right next to him is a woman in the graveyard, crying, a whole, crying her eyes out. She wants to make her feel better. So, Uba Etzel Isha, and he goes to this woman, the Pita Osa, and he starts to talk really nice to her and to get over her pain. And as we always say, when you get emotionally involved with a woman, you're going to end up getting physically involved, right? Visham Alo, and the woman, this woman who was crying over her husband, listened to him. And they went into the woods, right? She was just now, she was just five minutes ago, she's crying that her husband's dead. She just buried him. And now she's going into the woods. And doing every sin you can imagine with this guard. It's tasteless. Okay? So now, a whole night, I don't have to get into it, right? They're gallivanting. And it comes in the morning, they come, they, they come back out of the woods, and the body's missing. And the Shaymer says to her, uh oh, the king's gonna come, and he's gonna see the body's missing, and I'm gonna be dead. So he says, when they come back, next to the man who's hung, they didn't find him. And the man was very, very scared. The king's going to kill me. So the woman says to him, you have nothing to worry about. What are we going to do? Altira, don't worry. Let's dig up my husband from the grave. And we'll hang him up. The king doesn't know what the guy looks like. And we'll hang him up instead of him. Hear this? Look at you before you. Even at the time of her greatest pain, of Avelis, where she's in this greatest pain that she lost her husband, this Gabra Yitzra Aleha, the Yitzhahara, was able to conquer her. Tysus and Kedushin. So never say, I know myself. Can you imagine such a story, such a crazy story? She dug her own husband up and hung him from a tree for this guy who she met the night before. She dug up, but, but ten minutes before that she was crying, oh day, my husband, oh day, crying late, she meant it. It's not, it's not like she was a faker. The, the, Tysus is not saying she's a faker. Tysus is trying to show you the power of the Yetzirah when it comes, when you give him an opening. This guy's coming to talk to you, don't listen to him. What are you, talk, what are you talking to him for? Right? That's what, it's not like she was a faker. She didn't really love her husband. She loved her husband. But he's trying to tell you that the ain't up a trouble's right. When it comes to Arias, you can't look at pictures and say, it's not going to affect me. You can't watch movies with filth or you can't watch whatever and say, it's not going to affect you. Everything affects you. You're like a cake. I gave a muscle to someone today. I said, a person is a cake. When you're born, you're a cake. 
and until you die, they keep putting ingredients into the cake. And at the end of the day, when you die, you are all those ingredients that are in the cake. So, no, you can't have a chocolate cake without chocolate. You can't have an ashama full of Torah and mitzvahs without Torah and mitzvahs. So whatever you put into that cake, if it's movies and things like that, and that's when you're going to come up to Shemayim, but in Shemayim, movies don't, you know, you can't even watch movies in Gehenim, you know? Because Gehenim is like fire, and it's like very bright, and movies only work in the dark. So in Gehenim, there's not even any movies to watch. It's like really bad. It's like really, really bad. The only movie that you watch is the movie of your life, and how many opportunities you had that you didn't, that you didn't, that you didn't keep. And we're coming to Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, big movies. Everybody's movie is going to be up there. Every single one of us. Every guy is, every single one of us. I think very much that's, um, as bad as Instagram is, it's a terrible thing. And the Yitzhahara every day comes up, you know, he's like, okay, Wallstein, you don't like Facebook? I'll give you Instagram. Like, no matter what I talk about, he's always a step ahead of me. Right? But Instagram is very interesting because you take a picture and you send it to someone else. You take a picture and you send it, you know, I'm picking my nose, check it out. You know, um, I'm drinking water, picture, check it out. Right? You know? And whatever you do, you check it. So you have to understand that you have to learn from technology because you work with Instagram all the time. Everything you do, every single second, you send a picture to Shemayim. It's called an Instagram. And they have that picture and it comes to Rosh Hashanah and you're like, I didn't do that! Really? Instagram. You did. We'll show it to you exactly and we'll show you how much you enjoyed it. Because not, not only do they see the picture, but the malach that you create from what you do is, is, is how much you enjoyed it and how much you wanted to do it that creates the mouth. So this is crazy movie that they play on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Some movies get pushed off to Yom Kippur and some get played on Rosh Hashanah and you are the one that shows the movie. And you are the one that writes in Hashem's book. It doesn't say Hashem writes in the book. You, your Yad, Yad Kol Adam Boy. You sign your own certificate. Pretty scary. Anyway, so I want to talk to you about something in Kisava, which is so beautiful, about the, the sensitivities that, that God has, unbelievable sensitivities, to um, every single person. So the halacha like this. This week's parasha is parasha Kisava, and it talks about Bikurim. Bikurim, you have a farm, and you're growing fruit. The first fruit that grows, the first blossom, you tie a little red, red ribbon around it so you know that's the first fruit, and when it grows... Then you take it into a basket, and you take the basket up to the Beis Hamikdash, and you give it to the Kayin. It's a very beautiful thing. In fact, they all wait together to bring up the Bikurim. They gather everyone together, and they all bring it up. It's a very beautiful, very, very special thing. Now, the Allah is like this. If you're a rich man, you bring your fruit in a beautiful gold basket. If you're a poor man, you can't afford a gold basket. So you bring your fruit in a basket made of straw that, you know, your wife put together. You don't have money. So what, what are you going to use to make a basket? You don't want to use something that's worth anything. So you go to your barn and you make some straw and you put your fruit in it. So the halakha is as follows. The man who, the man who brings the gold basket, the rich man, you take his fruit out of the basket, the client takes his fruit, puts it on the table, and says, here's your basket back. We're not taking your gold basket. The poor man who brings his basket out of straw, right, the client takes the whole basket with the fruit. So now, why? Right? Take the gold basket. We're going to do it a basket made out of straw. So the halach, so, so Chazal says the reason is to show the poor man that even though you don't have any money, to Hashem, you're even better than the rich man. Hashem wants your basket. He doesn't want a basket made out of gold. He wants a basket made out of the poorest, poorest product, but you made it with feeling and with love. That's what he wants. Very beautiful, right? 
I heard a totally different answer. Fantastic tenets. And the answer is as follows. Listen to how Hashem is so sensitive to a person's feelings. The rich man has unbelievable fruit. So he brings up a basket full of gorgeous, beautiful fruit. So the client takes all this beautiful fruit out of the basket, puts it on the table. The poor man, he doesn't have beautiful fruit. He has a couple of good fruits. So what does he do? He puts the not such good fruit on the bottom of the basket, and the good fruit he puts on top. So it looks like, hey, I also have good fruit. But if the client took the basket and poured all the fruit out on the table, everybody would see that it's not, his fruit is not so nice. He was hiding it under the good fruit. And the poor man would be very embarrassed. So Hashem said, oh, the poor man, keep the basket. Just take the whole thing. So he takes the whole thing, so on top is a nice fruit. Nobody gets to see that on bottom is not the nice fruit. Because Baruch is so sensitive that the poor man should not be embarrassed. He says, tell the client, he has to keep the whole basket. So he takes the whole basket and puts it down. Nobody gets to see that underneath is a not such nice basket, not such nice fruit. So I was thinking to myself, that if we have a relationship with our Baruch Hu, there's a lot of not nice stuff that we did during the year. There's some nice stuff. There's a lot of not nice stuff. What, what do we do on Rosh Hashanah? We come on Rosh Hashanah, dress nice, dip the apple in the honey, blow the shoifer, you're, you're not watching any movies, I hope your phones are off, you want to, you're doing tshuva, Hashem, forgive me, you're trying to take it. So we're putting like the nice stuff on top. But there's a lot of nasty stuff underneath. But Chris Baruch doesn't want to, if he's surely, if he doesn't want to embarrass the Ani, who, it's fruit, okay, what do you want from him? It's fruit, he's poor, right? Hashem doesn't want him to be embarrassed. Surely when the Malachim are like, okay, let's take a look at Klai Yisrael, Chris takes the whole thing, takes us all together. And all the mitzvahs that are on top, that's what you see. All the stuff underneath, Chris is like, we'll keep that hidden. All the various and the bad stuff that we have, but you have to have a relationship with God to have that done. A poor man, the reason Hashem does it, because when he makes that basket, this is what I'm going to talk about tonight, when he makes that basket, right, he's like, I don't have gold, I, I don't have silver, what can I give you, God? The, 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 the raw material is not what I'm giving you, because it's straw, you give that to a, you give that to a cow, right? That's not what I'm giving you, I'm giving you me. I'm giving you the, 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 the work. That I did, that I sat with that piece of straw. When we come on Rosh Hashanah, like a Kush Baruch Hu, I'm, 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 I'm a worm. I'm, I'm off of the afer. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. What am I giving you? What, 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 I'm coming to you, and, I, and what, who am I? And the answer is, what I'm giving to you is my love for you. What I'm giving to you is, even though I'm, I'm, I'm nothing, but my work, and I'm trying, I'm doing tshuva, and I'm fighting, and it's Elul, and, and I'm trying to stop certain things, and I know I'm a nobody, but keep my basket. Because at the end of the day, it's not who I am. It's the work that I'm, that I'm willing to give you. There was a girl in my office today who was very, very sad. She's only in seventh grade or she's going into eighth grade. And she's going through a lot of stuff. And, and her mother brought me in, brought her into me because she was, she's a Bisyakov girl from a very firm family. And, um, she went to an extremely from very religious camp. And in camp, she was Machal Shabbos. And it was a very hot day, and in front of her bunk, on Shabbos, she just plugged in a fan in front of everyone. 
and the mother is, can you imagine, such a mother, she's broken. She, she broke it. My daughter, very religious people from a very firm camp, and you send her off to camp, and you, and you get her back, that she plugged in a fan in front of everybody. Mother came to me, broken, white, just she couldn't even look me in the eye. She said, "I don't know what to do." I said, "I want to talk to your daughter." So this little thirteen-year-old kid, seventh grader, going into eighth grade, sits in front of me. I'm like, what happened? She said, I was Machal Shabbos, and guess what, Rabbi Wallerstein? He didn't kill me. I'm like, what? Yeah. I got up the next morning, he didn't kill me. I'm like, who didn't kill you? Hashem didn't kill me. My teacher said, if you're Machal Shabbos, you're going to die. I didn't die. I don't believe that there is a Hashem. Now, we're going here from a Beisiakov, seventh grader, young kid, right, who put on a fan on Shabbos to, hey man, I don't believe in him. So I'm listening, I'm like, oh, so if you would have died, you would have believed in him. Yeah, because you would have seen him, but um, I said, can I ask you a question? If I was your father and I love you very much and I said, um, I don't want you to do something and you did it and I didn't kill you, that means I don't like you? That means I don't exist? That means I'm not your father? If I tell my children, I want you home at 11 and they're not home at 11 and I don't kill them, means I hate them? Means I don't exist? I'm here! But I love them and I'm like, I'll try to find the reason... You know, it's not her fault. She, I'm her father. I'm going to try to find a reason. I'm not going to kill her. I don't know what stupid teacher told her that if you're Mechal Shabbos, Hashem's going to kill you. There'd be a lot of dead people in this world right now, right? He doesn't kill you. In fact, the Mishnah says that he waits till the last second till the person does tshuva. So I'm, the, I'm from the school, and I will stand by this all my life. I hope it'll be a long one, Mitzvah Hashem. That, that when a kid steps out, I am so sure of this and I've been preaching this and the more people I tell it to the more agree, agree with me nobody steps out of their environment unless you're pushed out no kid wakes up in the morning and says good morning dad I'm doing drugs nobody wakes up in the morning and says hi ma I'm wearing pants nobody wakes up in the morning and says I'm plugging in a fan on Shabbos it doesn't work that way it doesn't work that way it is a symptom of something that is going on Something is pushing this kid. Why are you angry? Why are you upset? Why did you plug in that fan? What's going on in your life? It ain't the fan. I'm not worried about the fan. And I'm not even worried about right now how you feel about Hashem. I want to know, tell me the truth, what's going on in your life. And I spent two and a half hours with her today, and I found out what was going on in her life. And there was a lot of things going on in this little kid's life. And a lot of tragedies and stuff that she doesn't understand. And good people who got sick. And she's very angry at Hashem. And she's going to teach him a lesson. That's what she told me. I'm going to never keep Shabbos again. I'm going to hurt him. He hurt me. I'm going to hurt him. And I'm looking at this kid. I'm like, you're not hurting him. That's not what this is about. I said, you're hurting yourself. You're disconnecting. You're not hurting him. And then we got into a whole thing. How do you know this and that? What kind of being? And... 
and Baruch Hashem, I've been doing this for a long time. We had a very, very long talk, a lot of tears. It's very hard to watch a 13-year-old little girl cry. But at the end of the day, I said to her, you know, I went through some stuff myself. I said, and you're very angry. She's very angry. She's very angry at Hashem. And I said, so the anger is fire. Edom, red, right? Edom, Esav, is angry. Amalek is angry. We're angry. Edom. Fire is red. Edom is red. Right? When you become angry, what happens to your face? It's red. It's a fire. Fire can do two things. Fire can destroy. And fire on the coldest night can, can keep you warm. I said, you have a lot of fire in you and you're very, very angry. You have two choices what to do with that fire. You can either either bring warmth to people who are cold, including yourself, or you could show Hashem who's boss and just be angry the rest of your life. So I took her into um, I took her into the next room because I don't have a computer, and we just did a trailer. Uh, Mitzvah Hashem, we're having seven Avino Malkanos. Seven. What's Avino Malkanos? We only have one Avino Malkano, Hashem. Don't get me wrong. We don't have seven Avino Malkanos. We have one Avino Malkano. But Ornava, what we do, we started many years ago, is that we have this um, night out for women where it's Hisairis for women, Chizik, with speeches. And every year, thir- me, I speak always with Rabbi Eli Mansour together. And then the third speaker is always changeable. We, we had many, many different third speakers. And uh, we, we only had it in Brooklyn College. We always had it in Brooklyn College. Between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we had it in Brooklyn College. 2,600 women. 2,600 women. We have been sold out, Baruch Hashem, for seven years. This is our eighth year. It's packed. The energy is amazing. Everybody's coming to hear speeches. Everybody's coming to grow. It's the biggest Kiddush Hashem. It's, it's unbelievable. And every year, we add another town. This year, Baruch Hashem, we have Los Angeles, Baltimore, Muncie, Lakewood, Eretz Yisrael, Brooklyn, and Toronto. Seven Avino Marcanos. Total, if we're sold out, and we will, total amount of all those seats, of all those seven, 10,000 seats. 10,000 seats. Our Avino Malkeno is three hours. A little bit less, but about three hours. I speak an hour, Rabbi Eli Mansour speaks an hour. Here will be Rabbi Goldwasser. Rabbi Leaf is speaking in one place. Um, Charlie Harari is in California with me. We have different speakers all over the place. 10,000 seats. That's 10,000 women times three hours. That's 30,000 hours. Oh, that's there's no, it's not a concert. There's no movies. Just coming to hear a bunch of rabbis speak their heart out about Klai Yisrael. 30,000 hours in seven days. Forget about online. You can watch it online. Forget about all those people. 30,000 hours. So we did a little trailer. Two-minute trailer. So you go on and you, you hit Avina Malkenu 8, whatever it is. There's this little trailer and it's very, very powerful. What you see is crazy, very powerful. All the different speakers and whatever it is. I took this little 13-year-old kid and I went into the room. I said, I want you to watch this trailer, this video. 
and she watched this video, it's two minutes long, of all the different places, and, and, and it's, it's very, very powerful. And I turned to her, and I said, you either create this with your fire, or you plug in a fan. Make your choice. Fire you have. Either you use that fire to bring people close to Hashem, and you can create this. I said, I get beaten up in third grade, and you all know the story. And I got embarrassed, and I got beaten up, and there was a fire in my heart, because when you get embarrassed, there's a fire, it goes up your neck, it, you, you turn red. There was a fire in my heart, and that fire in my heart went through elementary school, and it went through high school, and I had this fire. How could you do this to me? And then in 10th grade in high school, whatever happened, happened, and the fire got even hotter. And then I made a decision. Well, I'm going to use this fire to destroy myself and destroy everyone around me. Or we're going to use this fire to create. That's a choice every person has. And that leads me. And Rosh Hashem, she walked out. I said, I want to speak to you next week. And I'm like, at the end of the day, you're 13. I, I'm, I'm, I'm Rabbi Wallace, I can coach you. But you're the one that has to do it. You're the one that has to stand up. I can coach everyone in this room. But you got to make the change. I can't make the change for you. you got to get on the court. You got to play. You want to sit on the bench? You want to be a bench warmer? Hey, keep your talent on the bench? Great. No one will ever hear of you. You'll never do anything for anybody. And you could say, I was on the bench. You know? Yay. You know, I was on the team. Some guys are happy with that. I was on the Knicks. Did you ever play? No. I was on the bench for 10 years. <laughs> I was on the bench for 10 years. All right, I have a, a Nick jersey, you know? But I never got on the court. Okay, some people are happy with that. Losers. Those are the losers. The guy to get on the court and hit the three with a second left and turn the whole game around and everyone's screaming and yelling and he's like, yes! and that's how you have to feel as a Jew it's like, I got connected to Hashem and I helped somebody and I did a mitzvah yes, man! yeah, you have to really I know a rub that talks to himself the whole davening he's talking to Hashem he's amazing I spoke about him once before and he gets excited when he does a mitzvah who in this room ever got excited? where's the fire? where's the three-pointer with a second left? Like, yeah, Yetzirah, yeah, you don't want me to go to Minyan? I have to go run to work? No, man, I'm stepping you into the base medrash. I'm going to Davin. Can you imagine walking to the shul? You weren't going to go because you had this job where your friends are like, come on, we got to go to the game, we got to go to the movie. You, 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 you Davin, you know, at the Kotel. What do you mean? I'm in America. You know, at the Kotel, at the wall. You know, you're down by yourself, you know, at your own Kotel, you know? And you're like, no, man, I'm not going to that game. I'll tell you a crazy story with me. Crazy story. I should bring him in here. I should bring him in here. So I'm a crazy Ranger fan. I was a crazy Ranger fan. And there was this one year the Rangers won the Stanley Cup, right? I was waiting like 70 years. They didn't get, they didn't win the Stanley Cup, right? So like the Mets, Nabachrachmanis, right? So, so the Mets are the only ones you're allowed to watch during the three weeks because it's available. So, so, so anyway, so I'm, I'm a Ranger fan and they're in the playoffs and we're going to for the Stanley Cup and I got tickets. I'm not even tell you how. But I got tickets. Different story. Anyway, so I have these two tickets, right? Center ice, like five rows up. Playoffs. It was the game before they won the cup, right? It's a huge game. Tickets are worth $8,000 a piece. Forget about it. They're like totally, you could pawn them. Unbelievable tickets. So I'm taking this guy with me. And I don't know, the game's at 8 o'clock. I don't know what, what time the game was, whatever it was. And, and it was very, very late, and I'm, and I'm on my way to the city. I didn't have mincha, right? And, you know, the game starts at 7, and, like, mincha was like, I got that mincha, and the guy's like, are you crazy? We're going to stop that mincha till we get parking? We're going to miss the first period. What do we get these seats for? I'm like, 
I'm davening Mincha. He's like, I don't daven with a minion. This guy, guy that I know, I don't daven with a minion. I'm like, you don't daven with a minion, I don't give you a ticket. Today, you're going with me, you daven with a minion. We don't go to the game. He's like, are you crazy, Zach? Just go down Mincha, wait in the car. I'm like, no. I will rip the ticket up in front of you. I don't care, $8,000. You come to Mincha, or you don't go to the game. Okay, okay, you're nuts. You're not, you're not. Okay, I was nuts. Okay, you're not. Anyway, we go to Mincha, we talk to come to the game. We missed the whole first period. We missed a part of the second period, right? He comes in, he's like, I can't believe you did this. This is crazy. How long ago did the Rangers win the Stanley Cup? Do you know? Do you remember how many years? Anyone here know? 19. Huh? 19. 19 years? I think it's I mean, maybe 17. No, it's 19? 94, 94. What? 94. So it's... 94 years. So it's 19 years. He hasn't missed Minion in 19 years. I'll have him come in. I'll have next year, I'll have him come in and tell you the story. He hasn't missed Minion? 19 years! Why? He'll tell you why. He said... I know Wallerstein how much he loved the Rangers. He was willing to miss the first period of that game for Mincha? There must be something to it. There must be something to davening with a minion. Never missed minion. He is a nut. He's nuttier than me. He will fly backwards from California to get the three hours that he should have missed Mincha in business. (laughs) Totally out of his mind. Will not miss Mincha. It's a fire. There's a fire in all of us. We just use it for the wrong thing. So imagine when you beat the Yitzhahara, when you say no, and you, and you get up, you, know, you walk into Shul, because you were there walking, all of a sudden you walk in, you're like, yeah, I'm here. Of course, everyone in Shul is going to like, uh-oh, like, you know, guy's out of his mind. But imagine you had that whole fight, you had that whole struggle, a whole morning, didn't want to go to Minion, and you fight him, and you walk into Shul, and you're like, yeah, so now what? You shouldn't challenge Yitzhahara. You're like, hey, you let me go to shul. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Now you can leave. And he's like, no, I'm going to go to the next guy. The guy's sitting next to you and we're going to play with his phone. You know, okay. Right? But there's, there's a fire. And I explained to this girl, that anger, that you want to turn on the fan, and you want to hurt Hashem, you're going to hurt yourself. Take that anger, take that fire, and use it. And use it to, to warm yourself. To, 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 you can change the world. You can change the world. I had a fire, which I don't want to go into my fire. And, and you all know that I stopped that fire and I took that fire and now I use it, you know, I'm not trying to talk about myself, but I use that same fire, that same excitement, that same impulsiveness, all those, be- all those midos that I have and I just, I, I didn't get rid of them. I can't get rid of them. There's no way you can get rid of them. I just, I just channeled it. I'm just as exciting and coming to a shear, right? And, and having a good shear and guys, and, and guys changing. I'm just as excited as winning $50,000 at a casino on a table. Believe it or not. And that was pretty exciting. This is more exciting. Because this is forever. The $50,000 I'm going to lose tomorrow or in two weeks. But you change someone's life and you help somebody and you make somebody happy. Forever and ever and ever. And you go to the next world and you bask in it and you sit in it and you feel it. And you know how they felt and you know how good they felt when you made them feel warm. And you said a good word to them and you said good morning. And you sit in that and that's your Ganeiden. And it says that every person has his own Ganeiden because, because what I did for someone else, no one else didn't do for that other person. So I, that's my Ganeiden. And God forbid you hurt somebody and you insult somebody, you live in their pain. And that's hell. To live in somebody else's pain that you embarrass, whether it's your wife or a friend or somebody else or someone very close to you, that's hell. 
All right, I'm going to sit back down. I got excited. And I'm going to finish up, because I don't know if we're going to see each other till after Sukkot. Because, let's see. Um, I'm going to throw for Yom Kippur. So that Tuesday night, I'm not going to be here. That Tuesday night, I'm going to be in Muncie. Wait, that Tuesday night, I'm going to be, maybe I'll be here that Tuesday night. So it could be between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. I'll try to be back here by 10.30. Mitz Hashem. Um, I don't know about next week. Okay, we'll see. But anyway, I want to share with you something that I, that I've said before, but I just want to add something about the chauffeur. So, there's a very big question. And the question, to the guys that were here last year know this question, was the basis of my shir last year. And the question is as follows. We both chauffeur on, on, on Rosh Hashanah, to remind Hashem of what? Anyone here know why we both chauffeur? Hello? The, Right? The, the aisle that Abraham Avinu brought instead of Yitzchak. Right? One second. If I want to remind Hashem about Akedas Yitzchak, why would I bring up the aisle? The aisle, the ram that he killed, was because he didn't, he didn't do the Akedah. So if I want to remind Hashem about the Akedah, what I would do is take a little kid, put him on the bima, right? <laughs> tie him up, tie him up, right? It would be great. Tie a little kid up, lay him on the bima, right? Take a big knife and say, everybody remember when Abraham Avinu did this? He was ready to shut this kid, right? That reminds Hashem, look, I'm holding the knife like Abraham Avinu was holding the knife. But blowing the chauffeur reminds Hashem that he didn't kill him. That he didn't do the Akedah. Why do you blow the chauffeur? Good question? Great question. Question number two, which we spoke about last year, even a bigger question. So what does it say? Says that Abraham Avinu went. Abraham is He lifted up his eyes. and he saw. There was another ayo. We're not going to get into that because it was. If I say I have this chumash and another chumash, means I have two chumashim. There was only one ayo. So what's the other ayo? But I explained that to you last time with the, the neshama. The look for Yitzchak's neshama went into the ayo. We're not going to go into this, right? But the question is, it says it was stuck nechaz. It was stuck in its horns. It was stuck or caught in thorns. Right? So the Medrash, Abram, Abram went to it. He took the isle out of the thorns and he brought it up as, as a carbon. So the Medrash says, well, what happened? Hashem created the isle before he created the world. The isle was ready, was, 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 was ready there. When the Satan saw that Abram Avinu was going to bring the isle instead of Yitzchak, he took, he made these thorns, and he put these thorns around the horns of the aisle, so that the aisle was captured in the thorns, and Abraham Avinu couldn't get it. So, Abraham Avinu went, and he realized that the aisle couldn't come to him, and he got rid of the thorns, and he took the aisle and he shechted it. So the question is like this. What did the Satan care about the aisle, about the ram? The ram, it was over, he lost. He lost the fight. What was, what was the fight? The fight was, would Avram Avinu, was he willing to bring his own child up as a carbon, right? So Avram Avinu showed already. He tied him up. He, he, he went to bring him up as a carbon, right? And he won! So the something you lost. What do you care about the stupid goat? What does that have to do with anything? You lost. Right? We want to remind Hashem that Avram Avinu was willing to sacrifice his son for God. So he did that already. He passed the test. In fact, the Malach said... We know, we see, right? What did he say? Before, before the aisle, he says, Ki ki 
Because we know that you fear Hashem. Satan, you lost. So what does the Satan care about the aisle? It's over. The game's over. The game's over. Right? It's like, you had a basketball game, you won the game, the game is over, and the other team, after the game, everyone go home, they're complaining to the lighting guy, the lighting wasn't any good. Go home, you lost. Doesn't matter anymore what the lighting was. Game's over. So here, the Malach is saying, Aram, we know that you're Yorah Yelokim, it's over, go home, right? And the Satan is busy tying up this idol. Why does the Satan care about the idol? And it seems to be that he cares more about the idol than he cares about Akedah Yitzchak. And the answer is amazing. The answer is like this, and this is really my, why I went off on that other subject, I have no idea. But this is, this is really my, my Dvartar for all of you, and for everyone who's listening, to take into Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So the, the question is very strong. Number one, the horn reminds of that he didn't do the Akedah. Number two, what did he care about this aisle? It's over, you lost, it's over, right? And the answer is as follows, that the Satan was much more worried about the aisle than the Akedah. Anyone here know why? Fantastic answer, and it's so simple. Why would the Satan be more worried about the aisle than about the Akedah? When the Akedah was... He was willing to give up. Big deal. You want to kill an animal? Anyone, anyone would kill a goat. Big deal. Why was the Sultan so worried about this more than than the Akedas Yitzchak? Huh? No. Why? Why? Why was he so worried that Abraham Avinu is going to shut this goat? So let him shut the goat. Who does he care? It's over. The game's over. You lost. So what? You were close. No. Listen, guys, it's a very simple answer. Because Hashem told Avram Avinu to Shech Yitzchak. Okay, so big deal. Hashem told you to do it, so you did a mitzvah. Hashem didn't tell Avram to take the ayol. The ayol Avram came from Avram. Avram wanted to do the ayol. Why? Because Avram said, how could I be empty-handed? You're right. Thank you for saving my child. Very nice. But what happened? Look at the Pasuk, right? My Yisha Avram is Enoch. He said, I, I won. I'm Pater, right? No. Because in the end, I didn't bring a carbon to you, Hashem. I, have a vo- I, didn't do, I didn't do anything. So he went looking for something to do. He went to Yisha. Okay, have a good day. We finished. No Tachanon today, right? Everyone's like, right? Everyone's, everyone's throwing a party. One guy in Shul said, no Tachanon, you have to make a Kiddush. You can't have no Tachanon without a Kiddush. Right? So, so everyone's like, oh, no Tachanon? Let's get out of here. How long is Tachanon? Five minutes. Right? So, so the person, right, I didn't have to say Tachanon. There's a Chassan. Well, what was that, Ramavinu? Oh, there's no Tachanon, we say five minutes? So I'm not going to leave five minutes early. I'm going to use those five minutes to say to him. Ooh, says Hashem. You didn't have to use those five minutes. It was chasen. You didn't have to say tachan. And you decided on your own to do those five minutes. The satan has nothing to say. That Hashem told me to daven. Okay, you have a mitzvah. You're going to get rewarded. I'm like, why am I going to get rewarded? I did this on my own. The five minutes, I decided on my own. There was no reward that Hashem said, Avraham Avinu, I'm going to give you a reward if you kill an idol. 
The reward was for doing the Akedah. So that, so the Sunday, okay. So you listen to Hashem. It's not the first time. You jumped into a fire also. But you were going and you're looking for an idol on your own without being commanded? Oh no. That I can't allow happen. Because that will protect Kaleisrael forever. And that's the Shaifa. Having a kid, having a guy with a knife and a kid tied up. It's very nice. We can have a lot of different scenes of people that died, that died, that were willing to die, that in the Holocaust, or, or Hannah jumped off, you know, the walls of Yerushalayim. There were a lot of people that were willing to die for a Kurdish Baruch He wasn't worried about that. But a Shaifer! To remind Hashem that there was a person once upon a time that was Yitzah and said, no! He went by Yisha Avram as Enoch. He didn't say, Hashem said, okay, go home! Don't touch him. Go home. Okay, you yaitza, you won. Go home. Bro, you're going to say, go home. I can't go home. I didn't bring a carbon. Oh, and a person like that will always find, if he's not just yaitza and he looks to do a mitzvah that he doesn't have to do, right? Then it'll be there. And the HR said, oh my gosh, this I cannot allow to have. And he tied him in thorns and he tied him in thorns. Avram, Avram said, I, I, again I'm putter. Again I can say, Hashem, I wanted to bring the I.O., but it was stuck in the thorns. I don't go, go go cut my hands and cut the thorns apart. So again he could have said, I'm Yaitzah. I went looking. Oh, there's no poor people here. Okay, I can't give to the doctor. Have a good day. Right? No, says the Pussy. Vayelech Avram, Avram said, you suck and you think you're going to stop me? Vayikach esa'ayol, and he took the ayol, and he said, I'm not leaving without bringing a carbon to Hashem. And that's the fire, that when they blow shofar, that to remember that what Avram Avinu was not satisfied with just being Yotzer, with just being Yotzer. Just the opposite. He wanted to go the extra step. That's the fire that we need to take. It's Rosh Hashanah when we hear that, that Shafar, it's the ayol that the Satan was so scared of because of Ramavino was never commanded to take it. He did it on his own without a commandment. And that the Satan has no answer for. He has no answer. It's not even a mitzvah. You weren't even told to do it. That he had no answer, and that was his destruction. And that is why that the shofar of the ayol is what's used when Mashiach comes. And it says that the base Hamidrash will be built out of fire. What do you mean? I'm a client. I'm going to walk in the base Hamidrash. Me and David Cohen said that we're going to we're going to burn up. So it says no. It's the fire of the base Hamidrash. It's not a fire. It's the fire of all the Jews that did their mitzvahs, not because they had to, but the fire that they did their mitzvahs with. That's the fire that's going to build the base Hamidrash. I want to end with this thought. Scary. I want to end with this thought. The Shafer itself. Shafer itself is very interesting. How do you make the sound of the shofar? By blowing the shofar through your mouth. You have to blow the shofar. If you had some kind of machine that could blow ear into the shofar like a fan and it makes noise, it's no good. There's two parts of your body to be yaitzed by the shofar. You have to blow, if a person who's deaf is not yaitzed by shofar, you have to blow it, you have to hear it. The actual mitzvah is to hear it. In other words, not everyone in shul blows the shofar. One guy blows it, and everybody hears it. But for you to hear it, somebody has to blow it. What does the person blow shofar with? 
his breath, his life, his breath. Hashem, we were the part of that Hashem that that He made us be alive. The yipach ba'apov nishmas chaim. Hashem, when we were laying there as a piece of clay, He blew into our nose, ear. He blew into a neshama. He blew in ruach. The 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 shofar is the sound when the ruach leaves your body. You're blowing out because both who put in, we're blowing out, and the sound of the shofar, right? Is, so it has to be. You have to be able to hear it, and you have to be able to blow it. So the two things that a person has to be makadesh before he listens to shofar is his mouth and his ears. A person has to be careful with what he listens to, what he hears. Because in those ears are the kol shayfar and what comes out of his mouth. Now the shayfar has to have a curve. It can't be straight. If it's straight like a little trumpet, like a little thing, it's not kosher. It has to be as big as a fist, but it has to have a curve. And if you look at it, I told this to the little kids a few years ago in Yeshiva that I taught. It's such a lesson for all of us. Because the, the begin, the shofar where you blow into is a teeny little round hole. And as the shofar goes, it gets bigger, bigger, bigger. If you blow it from the other side, it's not kosher. You have to blow it from the little hole, and it goes out from the from the big side. And the shofar has to have a curve, some type of curve. A little curve, it has to have a curve. So I told these kids, I said, it's a lesson in life. The air, the breath, is, is life when you blow into the shofar, right? So you're blowing your life into the shofar. That's what you're doing. You're blowing your air, you're blowing your life into the shofar. Because Rochel wants to teach us that even, that even though you're starting off a little teeny hole, right? I can't do every mitzvah in the world, but just just a little blow, just a little sound. Even though it's going into a little teeny hole, when it comes out, it comes out of, out of a huge hole with a huge sound. That every Jew needs to know that all you need to do is just blow in, just just do something, just start. You don't need to be a trumpeteer. It's not the big hole that you're blowing into. Go into a little teeny hole, little teeny round hole, right? In a person's life, but life is curved. Life is not straight. You need to know. That life's not perfect, and we go through all kinds of stuff in life. And the shofar represents life, so the, the shofar can't be straight. The shofar has to have a twist. And and this I said on my own. And and what's the most beautiful shofar? The shofar has the most twists. The Sfarim use that shofar, twist, 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 twist. The long shofar, right? That's the big shofar. And I'm imagining that's the shofar of Mashiach. It's coming from an isle. It might have even been a unicorn. There's a whole there's a whole medrash on that. Whatever it is, but it's a huge. So, so, so I said to kids, what's the beauty of the shofar? What's the beauty of the shofar? Shofar represents life. It does. We know that true is crying, each thing. Shwam is a broken person. It represents life. So, so it's telling us that it doesn't have to be straight is no good. Life doesn't go straight. The more twists, the more stuff you go through, the bigger the sound that comes out at the end. And that's what the shofar represents. And that's what a person has to understand. Even though I might have gone through a lot of stuff this year and a lot of pain and a lot of twists in my life, but at the end of the day, the sound that's going to come out of my life, of my shofar, which is me, which is my life, is going to be a huge tekiah, which is going to bring Mashiach. And we all be zeicha, everyone, don't get involved in immorality, no matter who you are, no matter how strong you are. Crazy stories I told you tonight from Tysus. How a woman was crying over her own husband and ended up hanging him up. It's, it's, it's from one moment to the next. A person has to be very careful with what he says and what he listens, you know, and, and, and to use, if you, if, if you, if you have fire inside, we all have fire inside, to use that fire to warm, to help other people to grow and to understand that sometimes even greater than what you're commanded to do 
is is what Avram Avinu did over here, and and he always had that power of, of a second look. Because if you look in the beginning of Ayera, the beginning of Ayera is when the Malachim came. The end of Ayera is like Ketas Yitzchak. In the beginning of Ayera, when the Malachim came, it says in the pasuk twice. He looked twice. Vayar, and they were standing in front of him. Vayar, Vayarat. So they asked, why do you have to see twice? He says Avram Avinu had had the ability to look twice. Because when you look once, you don't really see what's going on. Many times you look at a person, you judge them for what you see. You take the second look, you really realize what's going on. It's not the first look. You, you, and I always say when it comes to poor people, what you see is their hand. Right? But if you take a second look, you see the rest of them. So you don't just put a quarter in their hand. But like, can I get you a coffee? Can I get you something to eat? Do you need a ride? So the hand doesn't need a ride, but the person needs a ride. So the first look just sees the cup. The second look sees the person. He had, he had the ability, by the Malachim it says, by Yah, when he took the first look, Nitzavolov, they were just standing in front of him. By Yah, when he took the second look, and he realized, oh my gosh, it's so hot, they're so hungry, by Yaretz across them. When he looked at it a second time, he went after them. The same by happened here. By Yah, again, and, and they also uses the word Hine, the same words. He said, it's not good enough. Yeah, it's a hot day. He was putter. He didn't have to do, give me less chasadim. He had a brismila. There was no reason for him to do anything, right? He was potter. He was yaitzer. No tachanon. Have a good day. I'm out of here. He didn't have to do, right? He said, I'm sick. I need to do gemilas chasadim. I need to go above what Hashem requested me. That same kleach brought him to the kedas yitzchak, which brought him to the ayil, which brings us to the shayfur, which brings us to Mashiach. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.